Good morning, brothers and sisters, and, and thank you for the, the visitors that are here uh, this morning. Um, I have to admit, when Wayne called me and I told him, uh, he told me at work, you know, you, you get into a context of, of where you are, and he said, you know, hey, it's Wayne Eaton, how you doing? And my brain immediately said, and what company does Wayne Eaton work for? And it took me a second, and then finally it shifted in the context, and, and he asked me to, uh, to step up this morning and, and, and preach for him uh, because he was ailing a little bit. And then I got up this morning feeling a little scratchy in my throat and, and started to think, oh, heaven forbid that uh, you know, now I need to, to go to the third man up. But, uh, so pray for me to get through my hacking, coughing, and, and snuffling uh, this morning. So this morning I'd like to talk about it. And when I say it, I'm not talking about the scary clown movie for you, uh, you Stephen, Stephen King fans out there. And neither am I talking about IT, you know, information technology. Uh, when I talk about it, I'd like you to keep that in the back of your mind because we're going we're gonna to get there. But just for a moment, keep that in the back of your mind. All through our lives, we have an it that we focus on. Consumes us. Can't think of anything else. Center of our thoughts from morning until evening. When we're young, we focus on, oh, I can't wait for it to be my birthday. Or I can't wait for Christmas or Halloween. Then you start thinking about all the candy you're going to get Halloween. Or you start thinking about the presents. You know, and then you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, it's almost Christmas. Three more days till Christmas. Right? That's the it. And it consumes us. And then you get a little bit older and you, you can't wait till you're 16 and you can drive. Or you can't wait for that, that first date your first relationship, your first kiss. And you may think, well, I can't wait until I can vote, right? And there's the first house. I can't wait for my first child. And these things fill our lives, these, these desires. And as Christians, sometimes it's, it's easy to let these its consume us and take us away from where we should be. And when we're younger, it's okay. But as we mature in Christ and we develop our relationship with the Lord, we need to heed the warning in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. It's 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. And he writes, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of the Father, whoever does the will of God, lives forever. Now he's not saying that you can't enjoy the things of this world. You can't enjoy good food. You can't look forward to Thanksgiving. You can't enjoy watching your, your favorite football team. You can't enjoy traveling and seeing the world. The warning is not to let these things consume you and take you away from the love of God and the love of doing His will. Those things tend to put the focus of our lives on ourselves instead of on God where they should be. For instance, if we focus on money, we tend to focus on self-reliance. And Timothy gives the warning about being rich. In 1 Timothy chapter 6. 
1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. You notice that Timothy does not say that money is the root of all evil, but it's the love of money, the passion for money, the consumption of the desire for money. And it's not just money. Unfortunately, some get dragged down to drugs and alcohol, and these passions consume them. So we've talked about some of these it's that might hold our attention. So what is the it that we should be pursuing? What should fill our days with longing? What should fill our days with the desire that burns within us? What should fill us with that same Christmas Eve anticipation? What should make us say, I can't wait for it to happen? And Stuart read there in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll pray for your patience as we go through it once again, because there's some high points that I want to pick out of there. Matthew 6, again, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not, more, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And I used to have Matthew 6, 33 printed out and taped to the bottom of my computer monitor at work. So it would be a constant reminder of me. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And Jesus here tells us not to worry about worldly things. So I ask you, Anybody by a show of hands has gone through their life not worrying about anything? Anybody? Right, who has the self-control to say, I'm not going to worry about this? Absolutely. Right? We worry about things at work. We worry about that calculus exam the next day. We worry about a paper we have to turn in. Right? We worry about meeting deadlines. We worry about getting our family out the door to get to church on time. some of us. It's human. It's human nature to worry about things. But Jesus tells us that all the necessities of life will be provided for us. 
And just think about that statement for a moment. Think about the nature of God. Excuse me. The all power. Go back to Genesis chapter 1, where we see the might and the power of God. Created the heavens and the earth. Created all the creatures of the earth. Yet he cares enough about you and I to make sure that we're provided for. Each one of us as individuals. And I can't claim this is my own. I borrowed this from somebody else, but, but hang with me. Some people say that God is good. Campbell's soup is good. Some people say that God is great. Frosted flakes are great. Words cannot describe how awesome God is. He's so far above the words that we can describe. And yet, at the same time, he numbers the hairs on our head. That comes from Matthew chapter 10, and verse 30, and Luke chapter 12, and verse 7. He knows each one of us on that level, despite how awesome he is. And so Christ tells us to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and that's the it that should consume us. And Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, Philippians chapter 3, for those of you that are flipping along. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, and their God is their stomach, and their glory is their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul is telling the Philippians not to take pride in their worldly accomplishments. If you remember, Paul was a Jew among Jews. But now he considers all his gains in life as loss in Christ. He wants to know Christ, and to do so gives himself up to be in Christ. He has come to the realization that even though he was following the letter of the law, he was a sinner. He had believed that salvation was in his own hands, but found out that it wasn't, and the only way that he could be saved was through Jesus Christ. And when he writes to the churches in Galatia, they were suffering from problems where certain elements were telling them that they still had to be circumcised, they still had to follow the letters of the old law. And Paul writes to them in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. 
The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Remember back in the the first reading we had, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Paul tells us here that righteousness comes through the Spirit. And in the end, we seek his kingdom and his righteousness so that we might have that eternal home with God. And that's the most precious and wonderful gift that's ever been given. That's the most amazing it that we could ever hope for. If you'll turn with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 5. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we are grown and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who's fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we're always confident and know that as long as we're home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For if we live by faith and not by sight, we are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body at home with the Lord, so we make it our goal to please Him, whether at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done well in the body, whether good or bad. So that it we're thinking, again, God's kingdom, His righteousness, obtained by the Spirit through faith, which guarantees us a heavenly home. And how do we receive the Spirit? Have you ever had that aha moment, that eureka moment, when something suddenly comes to you? The light turns on to your brain and you go, I get it. You're watching a movie and in the first couple scenes something happens and you spend the rest of the movie going, okay, what happened in the first five minutes? I don't get it. And then finally, like in the last scene, all the pieces come together and you go, aha! So that's why he closed that door and ran out of there and pushed the car off the side of the cliff. I mean, it all comes together about why things happen. A million years ago, when I was taking my undergrad degree, I took a statistics class with a Russian professor who said, statistics is not hard. It is all about trick. Either you will understand trick and get A, or you will not and get D. That is it. So fortunately, for the most part, I got the tricks. It was all about understanding what the problem was asking you, understanding how to set up the problem, and then going to charts and tables and and figuring things out. If you saw the method to apply, you had your aha, eureka moment. And for those of us that remember those little plastic toys with the BB in it, and you had to move the BB around to try to get it in the hole, same thing. 
And when you get that hidden, when you get that BB in the hole, when you see the answer, when you understand the plot twist, the lights come on and you understand. For us in the spirit, the Bible's laid out for us. How to achieve the spirit. Unfortunately, the first step is very hard for many to accept. And the first thing we have to accept, and the first thing that Paul had to accept, is that we're all sinners. In Romans chapter 3, beginning in verse 22, Paul tells them that this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And even better yet, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We have to accept that we've sinned, and that sin separates us from God's kingdom. And there's only one path to salvation. The first step is to hear God's word and believe, Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. We have to repent, Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We have to confess, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And finally, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, you must be baptized. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, the time to seek the Lord is now. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts and let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. But it doesn't end in baptism, brothers and sisters. It's an ongoing walk. After we're baptized, we must continue to grow in our faith. And there's one last scripture, and then the lesson will be yours. In Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath has come on those who are disobedient. 
Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And here's the important point. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless seeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everyone exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to the God, your Father, the Father, for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning, and you've had that eureka moment, the discovery that you need Christ to be saved, that you need to hear and believe, confess, repent, and be baptized. There are those here standing by to assist you. If you've already put on Christ and need the prayers of the church, the assistance of the elders, we can help as well. But please come forward as we stand and sing.